More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends Connor Allen, Sharp Clark, to talk week three of the NFL. Uh, Clark, something very different about you today. I can't put my finger on it. How's it going? Good, good. No no hat. I have to earn the hat with a winning week. So so this week I, I go unadorned on the hat, and hopefully until next week. Lettuce is looking good, though. You know, style it out for us a little bit, so we're, we're doing okay still. Still holding on. Uh, Connor, how are we doing, buddy? Good. Yeah. I think every single time someone new watches the show, they ask me like, Oh, like I like that Clark guys hat," or they make a comment about it or something like that. Uh, and so, yeah, you're not wearing it. So I guess any, anyone new, you know, usually wearing rocking a, a stylish hat over there. So, but, it, but Hey, I think if you win multiple weeks, what did you say? You start stacking them on top of each other. So you need, to I, might, I, I do have multiple fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> might have to bring it out. We'll see how the season goes. Yeah. Is there like a special, you know, 20 unit fedora did we see that last week because oh, they were like 16 units is there or is it just like you know no i, I thought about doing the stack but maybe okay. if i have another 16 unit week i'll, I'll wear the stack <laughs> yeah i gave a little bit back last week but not bad overall uh you know still in the mix still some some good stuff um again I love clark's process you get a sense of that today hopefully if you are hanging out with us for the first time. Uh, if you are, three of us are here every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. Should be able to find the podcast feeds uh, every Wednesday evening. So subscribe to both so you don't miss a show. It's free content, so supporting it by subscribing, likes, comments, thumbs up, five stars, all those things go a long way in helping us continue to bring the best content and tools in the industry. Uh, so take a second to do that. We really appreciate it. Um, if you are... Hanging out with us on YouTube. Jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite week three look is on the board currently. Also, don't forget about Move the Line Prop Drop Show. That is our Friday show. Also here on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel, 3 p.m. on Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. It's Connor, myself, and John Hyslop talking props, getting more on the player side. So, again, two episodes, podcast, and on 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. Come hang out with us. Great time to scoop the betting sub as well. A reminder, if you want to get the official plays that we push out, you need to have a betting subscription to 444. That subscription gets you access to everything we do. So if you're still playing season long, you grind DFS, you want tools, rankings, projections, any article. Uh, and then, of course, we always talk about the Discord. That's where the plays are officially pushed through. Great like-minded community. Uh, again, all hours of the day, that chat is popping. A great place to be. Again, you can head over to 444.com slash plans use the promo code week two and you'll get 25 percent off of that yearly sub definitely worth checking out there's more information here in the show notes of both the podcast and on youtube all right after week one we have a singular data point we were excited about it we needed it uh, after week two we open ourselves up to the possibility of trends and the goal here is to get ahead of some trends as quickly as possible again it's just want to really balance overreaction to underreaction. We have to be able to be pliable, move off of priors, trust what our eyes are seeing, trust what new data is telling us. Again, still really difficult because we have a small sample size of data, but we have to be able to leverage that knowing that the bookmakers are just as likely as us to hold on to some priors. So we want to kind of find ways to leverage that. Is there anything week two, Clark, um, in terms of your process that has changed? How like drastic are you making any changes to your numbers, to the modeling, anything like that? Um, talk to us about kind of how you approach week three. Yeah, week two is still very preliminary because we, we at least now have one data point of comparison, right? So team A performed like this against team B and team B performed like this against team C. So we have, you know, at least a comparison in that sense, but it's still only one game to compare it to. So, uh, you know, a team like the Steelers, right? They've gone against the 49ers defense and the Browns defense. Like 
is their offense really trash or are they exactly who they were last year where they can win when they can win the offensive line battle and they just haven't had a chance against either the defensive lines they've played. So it's still very preliminary, still figuring out some of these teams, uh, teams that had like a really good performance and a really bad performance are really tough for me because, you know, you kind of split the middle, but they're probably more like one than the other. Uh, but we just don't know yet. So yeah, very preliminary until, you know, roughly week four. Yeah, well, we have a team on the other extreme I think we'll get to in one of our uh, later matchups here on the show, which is uh, interesting to get your guys' thoughts there. A lot of talk in week one about scoring being down. Unders came in at a 75% clip. Things bounced back in week two. Overs coming in 13 of the 16 games. Again, all this is descriptive more than predictive. I wouldn't leverage this into trying to make any week three decisions based on that. Just, again, reminder that some of the stuff works itself out over time. Books overcorrects. Um, there's just a lot of different elements here in a market that's live. It's, it's a market, right? This is not a static market. These things are constantly evolving. And um, with that, let's jump into our favorites or top games, some of the most interesting games for us here in week three. First is the Falcons. They are on the road in Detroit. Um, looks like, uh, let me just double check. We haven't had any movement. Three and a half uh, is the number on the Lions side on FanDuel. Um, 46 and a half is the total here. This was like five and a half in the look end market. So some, you know, post week two steam coming here on the Falcons lions came out of last week's game against the Seahawks with a ton of injuries. As of now, we don't really know the status of some real key contributors. Amon Ross St. Brown had some cramps. I think it's a turf toe issue too. And that's a little frightening uh, in terms of his availability here. A couple offensive line injuries as well. Uh, Hala Vi Vitae, um, swing lineman uh, Taylor Decker. They lost a couple guys on the defensive side, James Houston, CJ Gardner Johnson. Those guys are probably out for extended period of times, if not the season. And David Montgomery here too with a thigh injury. Uh, Connor, I'll give you the floor here to talk first about the Falcons and the Lions. Yeah, it's interesting. Both of these teams here are the two like lowest pass rate over expectations. So that means that when you normalize for game script and for uh, you know everything else, Atlanta negative fourteen percent pass rate over expectation, uh, and then we have Detroit at negative nine point four percent. Obviously, some of Detroit's injuries there with C.J. Gardner Johnson is a big deal. Potentially James Houston as well. Uh, I personally kind of lean towards Atlanta here. I think. Clark got a better number than what we're currently seeing. This dropped to three for a little bit. Now we're seeing this back up to plus three and a half. I kind of like Atlanta here at plus three and a half. We've seen right now Detroit, you know, in their two matches, been a pretty league average run defense, according to EPA. Pretty strong and success rate overall. Um, but we talked about it last week. Like, I think Atlanta is so different and so much better at running the ball than basically every other team. And that played out last week. Uh, then that it doesn't really matter in terms, especially if it's like a league average, you know, matchup here. I think the only, should really only pay attention to those types of things at the extremes potentially. So I think that Atlanta will be able to get it done on the ground here against Detroit. Uh, and then some of the injuries might be a big issue tier too. You know, David Montgomery's probably not going to play. Amon Ross St. Brown is a little bit banged up. Um, and then maybe they're not able to expose an Atlanta defense that has looked better. Right. Uh, and I think this is one of those things where you guys talked about it already um, where Yes, like Atlanta's metrics and their defense looks a lot better, but they've also played against like Jordan Love and Bryce Young. And like, I don't really think that those are two great examples in terms of especially anyone comparable to a guy like Jared Goff with at his with his full arsenal. But I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case here. So I like Atlanta plus three and a half, and I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts here because I think that this could change if we had like a fully healthy Detroit team. Yeah, which we don't, Clark. And, you know, Lions 31st in run stop win rate to start. It's a bad matchup for a team that loves to pound the ball on you and like Jordan love, I think played okay last week, but they only ran like 45 total plays, but that's kind of the deal, right? Like that's a feature, not a bug in what they're trying to do there in Atlanta. What are your thoughts here? Yeah. I think the injuries for Detroit are very concerning. Uh, it's funny coming into the season, the buzzword was positionless offense, right? Positionless football. And these are the two teams that were leaning into that the most, both drafted rookie running backs that had, versatility as their number one uh you know the number one trait so they can both use running backs in different ways out wide you know two running back sets they have tight ends that can play wide and i i haven't really been that impressed with what the lions have done uh with jameer gibbs it's, it's been more traditional than i expected now david montgomery's hurt and so the thought might be well they're gonna you know use jameer gibbs more but it sounds like they're just gonna rotate in some backup running back more um so i'm not really sure that the lions have hit their peak of who they are um, the Falcons and Lions to me are very similar teams. They're they're built around really strong run game, making easy throws possible for a mediocre quarterback. 
Um, and so getting more than the three in a game where both teams are kind of built the same way, especially with the healthier team, I, I think is is a good bet. Uh, yeah, like I got the open for the subscribers at, at plus five, but I think anything above a field goal, like this is a game that is close to being a toss up. Granted, the Lions home field matters and Jared Goff plays significantly better when he's at home in the dome. Um, but I still think that the the Desmond Ritter hate and slander is like totally unjustified. He played a hell of a game against Green Bay. Yes, he had a couple bad throws. He dropped interceptions, always, you know, perk up the ears of people and say, oh, he should have had all these interceptions. Like that happens to every quarterback every game. For the most part, especially in the second half, Desmond Ritter took care of business. He made accurate throws. He read when he was supposed to leave the pocket. He scrambled up for key first downs and touchdowns. And he just handled that offensive comeback with, you know, the the poise that I've kind of hoped he would bring to the table. The Falcons team believes in him. Um, and, I, and I think this is a good spot for Atlanta to, again, surprise uh, people uh, because people seem to continue to doubt them. So I think we feel like the hook is important here still. So if you're still able to get the hook on Atlanta, even though you might not have the five that Clark pushed through to subscribers, being getting the hook here, I think with three and a half almost steadily across the board, I think is still interesting. Taylor two halves for Desmond Ritter. I agree. He did look good in the second half, um, much better. Um, and I do think that the, like the home road splits for golf, I think home road splits can obviously be pretty noisy. I don't think it's really a factor in anything that three of us really do in terms of handicapping team or player level performance too, too much. But I mean, I think the golf stuff has started to like be at least something like sticky, right? We always talk about not wanting to bat golf outside in bad weather. Like golf at home has been like track meet style stuff since he got here to Detroit. So I think that that's interesting in terms of maybe where the total is. The Jameer Gibbs thing is interesting to me. This may be a little bit more prop specific. I think it can impact the game. I think we see a decent amount of Jameer Gibbs here as a passer, as a pass catcher. I'm sorry, like nine targets last week, seven catches. Atlanta plays a, a Ryan Nielsen defensive coordinator came over from the Saints and Dennis Allen. They like to run a lot of man and just similar to how we like to attack rushing quarterbacks against man defenses. I want to attack running back pass catchers against man defense as well. It's just, it's just naturally he's going to get lined up a bunch of times against Kay Nellis and Troy Anderson, and maybe sometimes some safeties like that's going to be a problem. I hope they look to exploit that. Uh, yeah. I can get a chance to name drop some of my favorite linebackers here, but I do think it's going to be a nice spot for, for Gibbs in the passing game. So whether that's a reception prop or um, yardage prop, I think he's going to be featured here prominently, especially Montgomery looks like he's out, especially if there's something going on with Amon Ra. And he's not going to be active. I think we see a good amount of Gibbs. So, but I'm with you guys. I think the three and a half matters. Connor, any leans on the total here with 46 and a half, considering how much these teams like to run? Yeah, that's the my issue is that like if they're not overly efficient, like we're definitely not getting there. But I think that they probably will be. So I don't know. It's probably like a wait and see on the offense and see how like it shakes out. Like if Amon Ra's in, I'm probably in on the over. Um, I will say, I guess my notes on Desmond Ritter were a little bit, not different, but like it was more so like very inconsistent because there were some like really, really bad throws, but then you kind of figured it out. But it was just like, that. those were kind of my issues. Like there was a couple of times where I was like, holy shit, that was terrible, you know? And then obviously he figured it out down the road. But that was like my concern is that like, I think that I'm probably a little bit lower than you on Desmond Ritter at the current stance, but I can see how, you know, uh, you know, the second half was a good sign uh, for his, his future there. And he was forced to throw a little bit. I think that was a major question to this Falcons team is like, hey, can they actually like come back and win a game? You know, and I think that they kind of answered yes, because they just did it. So, yeah, I guess the Packers defense is pretty good, especially in the secondary. The Lions defense is really struggling. I mean, against the Seahawks, they just got completely worked and the Seahawks were down two offensive linemen. Uh, now they're missing CJ Gardner Johnson, who you know, coming out of the gate was their sort of vocal leader on the field. He was the one that was pumping people up and getting people going. So I, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a tough go for the, for the Lions defense. Tracy Walker's ready to step in. He should be a starting safety for majority teams in the league. I'm surprised that he really didn't get the start maybe early in the season over Kirby Joseph. He walks right in and helps. I do agree that there's been a lot of talk from Detroit around like some of the, if you want to buy into some of the rah-rah narrative stuff that, um, Carter Johnson has been pretty instrumental in terms of maybe kind of being the Dan Campbell on the field in, in some of those things. So I think they will definitely, definitely miss him without a doubt. Um, Green Bay blitzed their face off. So it was good to see Riz, uh, Ritter in the second half adjust. Uh, Detroit's like 30th so far in uh, pass rush win rates. So they're not really getting home. That's also probably a good thing on the Falcons side as well. All right. Uh, second game, we have uh, Buffalo on the road in Washington. Uh, looks like we are at six and a half currently. 
We see we're at on FanDuel. Six and a half, 43 and a half is the total. Uh, that looks like it's uh, taking a little bit of money there on the under. Um, sixes were available in the look-ahead market. Commanders 2-0, Wild Week 2 win in Denver. Bills got right at home against the Raiders. Kind of saw Josh Allen. We were expecting maybe early in the season he was really good, really efficient, took really what the Raiders were giving him. He led all quarterbacks in EPA and composites CPOE in Week 2. 62 in change on the success rates, really good. Uh, dink and dunk, like he didn't have to push the ball down the field. Took advantage of it. Sam Howell also pretty damn good in that week two game as well. 93.5 adjusted completion percentage on the road in Denver. Uh, just his third NFL start. In, extremely encouraging. Um, O-line held up pretty well too against, again, not a great pass rush with Arizona and Denver so far that they faced. We'll see what that looks like here. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, my initial lean was towards the over, especially at 43 and a half. I mean, Washington's defense looks solid on paper, but then again, when you kind of factor in who they played, it's like Arizona and Denver, who I don't think we're really high on offensively. And so you're looking at them 11th in EPA, 6th in success rate. Like to me, I just don't put too much stock into that. And uh, one stat that I found was interesting was that they're pretty good at defending like shorter passes. Um, and so but they're not very good at defending longer passes. So they've allowed posing passers to have a 108.3 rating, which is 25th, completing 10 of 20 passes for 280 yards, 14 yards per attempt uh, on passes 10 yards further than 10 yards downfield. Now, that being said, Josh Allen has focused primarily, and we saw it last game, like a little bit of shorter passes here and there. And I think that we probably saw, we talked about it a little bit last week with after the Jets game where he was passing up options underneath to like try and force it in downfield. And that obviously did not go so well in week one against the Jets kind of regressed and saw him just be a lot more efficient uh, in week two against a much worse Raiders defense. And I think we're probably going to see somewhere in between, probably see a couple more shorter shots and then be able to take advantage of the commanders downfield here. So I, I lean towards the over, especially if the, if there's any validity to what we've seen from this commander's offense, as, as you mentioned there, some pretty solid outings. I think that Sam Howell took a little bit to come into his own, but then once he started cooking, like he was good to go. So this Bills defense, that being said, I think is pretty strong overall. Like their run defense is playing a lot better. They dominated dominated the Raiders last week. Um, so that'll be a big question is whether or not like Sam Howell can shoulder the load against a, a pretty strong pass defense. But, um, you know, if they can at least push back at all, I think we could see this game go over the total of 43 and a half. I took a team total play on the Bills over 26 and a half. Um, just like them in the spot. Some of the reasons that Connor kind of laid out. Again, key numbers are important here. Getting on the right side of that, I think, is uh, is vital. Just remain bullish, Clark. Like we were in the preseason on uh, Josh Allen who and, and the Bills in general. We just kind of have, I think, enough of a sample that the Jets kind of, let's say, have their number. But again, they're a tough defense and they played them well. And that was a tough, just all the things in terms of what was going on in that game. Good to see him get right. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Both teams have kind of followed the same pattern for me. Like there was a lot of uncertainty about both coming into the year, a lot of, you know, split opinions, both disappointed in week one, and then both really bounced back in a big way in week two. So I'm kind of back to where I was in the preseason with both these teams. I, I was really impressed with Sam Howell uh, and the offense at what Eric Bieniemy's done to create easier options for him. And in the, in the passing game has been really, really helpful. There, there was a really nice screen or a couple really nice screens they set up to where, all Sam Howell has to do is like pretend like he's looking at one side of the field and then throw it across field to the running back. And and both Antonio Gibson and uh, Brian Robinson are capable of turning those plays into 20, 30 yards. You know, they're hard to take down. They've got speed. Um, so I think if they continue to do that, if they can outthink the Bills defense, then I think they have a chance here to keep up. And the the, the total does seem a little low. Um, the, the spread seems right. I think coming, coming into the week, I was sort of like, um, you know, maybe we should grab the Bills. Uh, you know, so that we can have options when it goes back over seven. But after watching the Washington game, I think six and a half is right. I don't think we're going to see too much price action uh, from this point. Uh, but it all comes down to whether or not the Washington offense can be smart enough to protect Howell from being in bad situations. Because as good as his highlights look, his lowlights are really bad too. Like he can hold the ball too long trying to make a play. He doesn't see the pressure coming off the edge. Uh, if the Bills can get in the backfield consistently, then I think there, there's potential disaster here for the Washington and potential blowout for the Bills. Uh, but if if Eric Bieniemy can kind of set things up easily for how keep things controlled, keep things keep him under control, then I think Washington, you know, has the spunk and the you know they went on the road and came back from, from an 18 point deficit, so they have that attitude that can that can hang with good teams. And I think there's a lot of uh, variance in this game. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I mean Denver in September on the road is kind of uh did not work this year. Uh, if anyone was uh, going off of that, did not, did not happen. But uh, 
they got a comment here and mentioning, you know, Chase Young. Yeah, Chase Young came back for Washington, played really well. Um, I think that that makes a difference. I believe in um, Josh Allen, the offensive line, protecting him and making a difference here. But yeah, Young is, is impactful. I wouldn't necessarily overrate it too, too much. I will say the one thing I am watching here as somewhat of a trend, and actually have heard it be discussed in terms of what offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey is trying to do in Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen's design run rate was way down. It was nearly 20% last year, 10% so far this year. Did not scramble once against the Raiders. And the Raiders got pressure on a third of their dropbacks. So it wasn't just that he wasn't forced to scramble. They were in there a little bit. Um, and I, I've heard snippets of Dorsey mentioning that that's somewhat intentional, um, trying to ramp it up as the season goes along. Like, I just, that's a huge part of what they do. I would love to have uh, Josh Allen with the green light to be able to tuck and run whenever possible. Uh, but we, you know, wait and see. I think part of it is maybe helping him not tuck and run too fast to be able to see and take some stuff underneath versus trying to hold on to it for too long to push it down the field. Again, just something I want to monitor. Again, maybe more of a, a prop-related thing. But again, just overall, the efficiency of the offense is better when Josh Allen is running the football. So that's something to watch for moving forward. It's like uh, what the uh, Bears are trying to do with uh, Luke Getz or Luke Getz. He tried to do with Justin Fields, but it's been a complete disaster because Justin Fields can't handle that. So, yeah. What one thing about the Washington defense is they get a lot of you know credit for having good front four, especially with Chase Young. But over the last few years, even with Chase Young, they've had very significant splits between bad and good offenses. Like they're the kind of team that can really shut down a bad offense. And last year they had a really easy schedule. So I think chasing down Russell Wilson is a very different proposition than chasing down Josh Allen. So I, I wouldn't expect a strong performance from the Washington defensive line here, but it's possible. Yeah, seven pressures, um, two sacks, four hurries. You know, nice performance from Chase Young uh, in his season debut. Makes things easier for Montez Sweat on the other side, for sure. Again, just want to – this is a, a spot where maybe I'm going to hang on to priors a little bit longer and think that I think the Bills are more of who we saw last week, and I think that they – can get it done here. Um, all right, next we have uh, an interesting one. Uh, shop this one. We have the Chargers in Minnesota. Uh, let me see where we're at. This is bouncing around basically wherever you're at. Um, this is well, this looks like it's moved even since uh, a little bit ago. Looks like FanDuel, the Chargers are now one-point favorites. This is a pick em in some spots. Uh, about an hour ago, it was a, a point on the other side on the Vikings. So uh, total is down now on FanDuel, 53 and a half. This is important. 54 in a lot of other spots, 54, a key number uh, in terms of totals. So again, depending on your lean here, there's some shopping to do. Um, pretty massive movement. Again, this is a 48 total in the look ahead market. So these defenses have massively disappointed Clark. So I understand why the market sentiment is what it is. Uh, what are your thoughts here? This is kind of going to be a wild game, I think. Yeah, this game's hilarious. I like it. If I'm a sports book, I don't want to move to one and a half either way because everyone's just going to tease whatever team's the underdog. Like, you know, th this is this is the game where if the Chargers are up 10, the Vikings are going to get in the back door of a teaser leg. If the Vikings are up 10, the Chargers are going to get in the back door of a teaser leg. This is, this is going to be that kind of game. Neither team is really capable of, at, at, based on what I've seen so far, is capable of really burying an opponent, um, especially if Austin Eckler doesn't go. Joshua Kelly, he's not it. Um, you know, it's going to be all Justin Herbert again. And I, I do like what I've seen from the Chargers, despite their 0-2 record. The Titans are a very tough defense. The Dolphins are a very good team, obviously. Um, so I, I have more optimism long-term on the Chargers than the Vikings. But there's just something that is uncomfortable about betting them. <laughs> like, um, and, and, like, you know, my numbers aren't there. But based on what I've seen to date, I think when you factor in home field, pick is about right for this game. Um, one thing I would keep an eye on is the Vikings' offensive line situation because – Kirk Cousins is just, I mean, he's so good at throwing like right before he gets hit. And he was doing it all night against Philadelphia. It was like amazing what he was doing. But you can't keep that up like game after game after game. That's just really tough for a quarterback to do. And so if the Chargers are able to get pressure. Their their backup left tackle got hurt in game against uh, uh, whoever it was at Philadelphia. Um, so now they're down to the third string left tackle. That's not good for Cousins. You know, we'll see if the center plays. I think that there's more chance that the Chargers kind of take control here uh, than there is that the Vikings do, but um, it's not a, yeah, it's not a play for me. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. 
Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Yeah, Connor, um, Chargers have been a disaster defensively. Uh, Minnesota, not much better, though. I think they've they've exceeded a little bit of expectations, but there's just uh, a lot of different ways that this game can go. Uh, What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, 91% of Minnesota's yardage has come through passing, which is just astounding uh, because they just haven't, they try and run the ball and it just doesn't work. And they don't, they know that with their offensive line right now, they can't really move the opposing defensive line. So they're just like nothing to do. And it's not like Alexander Madison is some special talent that is going to beat three or four guys. So they just said, you know, screw it. We're going to go to the short passing game instead. And honestly, I don't really blame them. I think that kind of works just as well, given the talent that they have with Hawkinson, Jordan Addison is playing a little bit more each week. And then obviously Justin Jefferson, uh, and, you know, KJ Osborne filling in here and there when needed. So personally, like my initial look was like, oh, we're going to see another pass heavy game on both sides. But we talked about it last week. Like, I think Clark and I, it's very interesting. We're both right because the, uh, you know, we talked about how the Chargers would come in and then throw a bunch on the Titans. They did through 41 times. Um, but the Titans also won and covered because the Chargers didn't capitalize on anything, blew an overtime chance and just I don't know, not a good enough team to get the job done. And so it was like a combo of both of what we said last week happening. Now in this spot specifically though, the Vikings run defense has also been very bad. So what is, you know, like it's not as clear cut what Kellen Moore is going to do. And so for me, like it doesn't necessarily give me hesitance on the total because we could see another like Dolphins Chargers game. Like we just saw in week one where Chargers ran for like 200 yards and still got their way over the total. But it does give me a little bit of hesitance on the prop market of like, okay, well, what approach are we going to see here? Because it'll obviously massively impact like the, the game outlook over there as well. And it also means that v- the Vikings have to be like a little bit more efficient uh, passing wise, if we're going to see less volume. So for me, it's kind of just a stay away and it'll probably just be an awesome game to watch either way. I just don't know. I think there's like a lot of different scenarios of like how it plays out. Yeah. I, I don't have a great feeling. I think Clark makes a good point in terms of where I think we'll keep it in terms of minus one, maybe both sides still moving around the zero. Um, Eckler's status, I think, is is impactful. I think maybe it's the only thing in this situation that could maybe move it a little bit. Uh, if we were maybe to get some positive uh, sentiment on Eckler's status here, Minnesota keeps working from behind the chains. They are 31st in success rate on first down. That is, uh, and like, it's like Cincinnati's dead last. Minnesota is 31st, and like then everyone else. It's a pretty big drop off. Um, it's not great. And obviously a lot of that is like, Hey, when you're trying to run on first down and you can't do anything, you have like a 25% success rate on first down. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden it's going to be second and nine. And that makes things a little bit harder, uh, for Kirk cousins and company. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting if Herbert can handle the blitz. And I think he probably can here because we thought this would be coming in how Minnesota played defense, kind of inexperienced young in the back half Flores loves to blitz playing a lot of zone behind it instead but 50% of their defensive snaps so far have involved the blitz. The problem is, is they're only getting home on 35% of those. That is the sixth worst blitz success rate in the league. And Herbert, if they can protect him, has the weapons and is a guy that I think can take advantage of that in a different way than maybe some of the teams they've played so far. So um, if he can do that, that would be a big part of the game for me. And again, that's not something that we can necessarily handicap a ton beforehand. It's just kind of one of those things in game, they're like, hey, look, they just they can't get home, but they're bringing the house and Herbert's having his way. So, uh, I mean, look, they were able to take advantage of it last week. Um, I mean, they made Ryan Tannehill. Uh, the Chargers got like a ton of pressure as well. It made Ryan Tannehill look like Ryan Tannehill of like 2018, like 95.7% adjusted completion percentage. Uh, that's just a, a tough spot. So I understand why the total is hanging out with the highest on the on the board of the week. So. Yeah, interesting game. No lean for me now. Eckler status matters a ton before I jump into this one. You mentioned – sorry, go for it. I'm just worried if I'm a Chargers better. I'm thinking about what Tyree Kill did to the Chargers defense in week one and thinking, yeah. what is Justin Jefferson going to do? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's a disaster. I, you mentioned, too, about how they have the worst success on first down. It's funny because in the offseason, uh, I was talking with Robert Mays, and he said specifically the reason they liked Alexander Madison was that – he was going to keep them on schedule on first and second down and get them exactly three to four yards, which is all they wanted. 
And it turns out they're getting even less. And then Dalvin Cook was actually the one probably helping them get a little bit more. Plus, offensive line matters too. But still, it's like that's the opposite of what's happened so far. They're behind schedule. Yeah, consistently. So not going so well. All right, next we have New Orleans on the road in Green Bay. Uh, I believe this is Green Bay minus two across the board. Yep, still there. 42 and a half is the total on FanDuel. Looks like there's some 42s in the market as well. This is a little bit of a short week. Back-to-back road games here for the Saints traveling to Green Bay. Jordan Love's Lambeau debut as a starter. Kind of an uneven start to the season for Derek Carr. Um, they're taking deep shots. This is something that they did a little bit, or he did a little bit last year in um, in Vegas. It's kind of continued. 20.3% of his passes so far have been considered deep. It leads the league, hurting some of his efficiency metrics. Um, and maybe that's what, kind of how they get it done here as well because there's some questions at running back. Uh, be interested to see what happens. The Packers, again, another blitz-heavy team. If they're not able to get home, you could have some shots here to Alave. Uh, 43% of the Packers' defensive snaps so far have been uh, blitz, the second-highest rate in the league. And they're even worse at getting home than the Vikings are. 28% of those are getting home. That is the fourth-lowest blitzing success rate in the league, trying to drum up pressure anywhere they can. Clark, and it is not happening so far for the Packers. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I think it depends a little bit on how much the Saints want to use Taysom Hill. I I, I saw it in the, in the Panthers game. Like anytime the Saints use Taysom Hill substantially, I'm talking like 10, 15 snaps plus, they seem to do well offensively. Like I, I don't know what it is, but like they roll him out there and it's like defenses. I mean, I guess it's just an extra blocker, right? Like he's a running back. There's a quarterback. So you, you kind of have a mismatch. It's the Ronnie Brown situation all over again, but it works every time. And, and it takes so much pressure off Derek Carr when he's sitting back there and getting pressured on every play, the offensive line is a little bit of a problem. Um, so I think if they mix Taysom Hill in, especially against this Packers front that can be beat on the ground, uh, then I think the saints will have some success moving the ball. I'm a little bit concerned about not having, you know, a true running back. Kendra Miller looks like he's going to be good to go. Potentially. I'm not sure how good he is as a rookie. I don't, I don't watch his college film or anything, but um, the the Packers secondary versus Chris Olave and Mike Thomas is going to be a really interesting matchup that might end up deciding the game. Um, it's going to be tough for the Saints again on the road in Lambeau, tough environment. You know, Packers might get Christian Watson back. They might get Aaron Jones back. They might get Bakhtiari back. Uh, this is a good Packers team um, and it's a good Saints team. I, I think this matchup is underrated. I, I understand why the Saints are favored. It's basically books saying, you know, we're going to give the Packers the home field points and then kind of let betters decide who they think is the better team. Um, I lean Saints, but a lot of it depends on these injury reports and a lot of it depends on the game plan. Derek Carr is getting no respect from you know people talking about him, from betters. And I think that expecting him to be, you know, right away as good as he's gonna be is a little bit, you know, a little bit optimistic. So I'm kind of being patient with the Saints. I think that the fact they're two and oh, despite playing pretty rough in their first two games is a good sign for them, especially with their schedule. Um, so I, I think this game go either way, but, uh, could make a good teaser leg on the saints and, and what could be a kind of a, a defensive tough fought game. Yeah. I think you touched on it briefly too. I think the status again of again, Wednesday as we record here. So we're getting, you know, preliminary Wednesday practice reports. That is, uh, you know, maybe some of the least useful of the week. We definitely want the Friday reports, but in terms of what we have now, it does look positive for Christian Watson. Aaron Jones did not practice though. He was seen on the field. I don't know really all of what that means. David Bakhtiari is a touchy subject um, in Green Bay at, at this time. It seems like it's a you know, grass surface, so it looks like he'll be playing. Um, Elton Jenkins also sprained his MCL last week, so we don't know if he's a go here. If the Bakhtiari thing is more than just the turf situation and he's out as well, that could be of interest. The Saints defense has been kind of what we've expected and what they've been of late. Now, again, Titans, Panthers – not teams that we should be scared of necessarily Connor, but again, still a really strong defense here against Jordan love. Who's also had some up and down uneven play as well. Taking advantage of some big plays, had some inaccuracies in terms of completion percentage over expectation, things like that. Although we have another, you know, big loss here on the Saints side, Marcus may uh, just a couple hours ago, suspended for three games on Wednesday for violating the NFL's policy on substance abuse. So pretty big loss for them in the back half. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Should be an interesting one. So many moving pieces when you just put all that together because you have a, a Packers offense that literally has played, I would say inconsistent, but like exciting when things have happened, but without their best options, but against bad defenses. And then you have a Saints defense that's played really well against pretty bad offenses, you know, but like 
now they're missing some guys. So it's just like, how does that blend together? Like my personal lean is that probably under, I think Packers team total under 21 and a half is a decent lean at this point. But like if Watson's playing, Aaron Jones is playing, Bakhtiari's in, I don't know if I really love that as much anymore, but like, if you get me one or two of those guys out, I'm probably in on the under, like it's probably a wait and see for me at this point. Uh, I was looking at this yesterday. It was like 43, 43 and a half. Um, I, I was a little bit more into it there, but I mean, still, I think 21 and a half is a pretty interesting lean here because I mean, we've seen the highlights from Jordan love. There's been like three, three or four quarterbacks where it's like, just like my notes are just like inconsistent. Jordan love was one of them. Desmond Ritter was another them, another one of them. But like, it's like, I think Jordan love, like has made some great plays, but he's also just made some really bad ones and his stats it's reflected in the stats as well. So for me, it's probably stay away, but uh, I'll lean on the under. A lot of moving pieces here before. That's so what I kind of want to talk about today because I want to get you guys' thoughts. Although, you know, as we get the Wednesday report, it's still really hard to kind of suss out from down here because these are all – they're not just small injuries. These are pretty massive, especially on the Packers side um, offensively. Like the Watson news today, that's encouraging. You know, kind of interesting to see how it kind of shuffles the rest of the receivers. You know, Jaden Reed's been really good. You know, Romeo Dobbs, not super efficient, not a lot of volume, but finding the end zone, um, it's interesting to see kind of how – things shake out uh, with everyone there. So uh, definitely watch the injuries, Clark. Jordan Love is first in EPA per play in the NFL right now. And yet Tua is getting all the MVP love. doesn't make any sense to me. Jordan <laughs> Love is great. Can we can we just have a quick tangent here? Tua is number one in MVP odds right now at Sportsbooks. I mean, I didn't think I'd see. I, I mean, I thought maybe, you know, some things go right. Like week eight, nine, ten. We're in like week three, guys. Like what's going on here? This is crazy. They're two and all. Then they looked awesome. <laughs> Yeah, stuff. I mean, oh, man. he's still just fragile, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it's all about, I think that was the entire handicap on Tua, yeah, right? It was just like. He's never getting hit. Yeah. And yeah. they've been doing it without, uh, you know, Terrence Armstead, who's, who's practicing today, who looks like yeah, he's in it, the back. It doesn't matter because they're getting the ball out so fast. It's like, that's that's the best way to protect a quarterback like Tua. Yeah, yeah I think quickest uh, time to throw in the league right now, right? By, like, by a good margin. And like. Average of the target is like I think first in the league too. Yeah, it's usually really you have to sacrifice the deep shots for that. But like the Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle get downfield so fast that <laughs> it's amazing. Mike McDaniel's just in his bag this season. I mean, this totally. is like uh, I got I got some lingering coach of the year bets on him. Hopefully uh, those pop. Um, I, we bet that right? Yeah, we, we released that released that as an official play. We got Dolphins division too. Um, so just you know praying for Tua, baby. Uh, you know, stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? You, you know, when you think back to it, we're on the tangent, might as well stay here for a second. <laughs> just, you know, offensive minded coach, just a guy who's been, a, you know, you know, interesting coordinator coming up. You get him in his second year in a spot too. You talk about it too at times where, you know, quarterback in his second year in a system and, you know, second year growth of wide receivers that we see. You have a coach who now has some stuff in place, right? He brings in a new defensive coordinator. He doesn't have to worry about that quite as much. There's just a lot that I think, in his second year where he's able to really dial it up even more and, and understand, I kind of have a feel of the cadence of the administrative stuff of my job, but now I can really lean into kind of a, even a little bit more, more efficient off season. Not like I don't have to move to Miami, get a house, figure all that. Like he was just able to like literally get in his bag this off season and figure out, I have these two insane weapons on the outside. How do I just exploit them? And they've kind of hit the ground running and yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch. Now we'll get back on task. Uh, final game here. Uh, that we will break down in depth. We have Philadelphia on the road for, I believe this is one of the Monday nighters, right? We have another two Monday nighters. Um, Tampa Bay is catching four and a half uh, on FanDuel. The total is 46. This was Tampa Bay six and a half in the look ahead market. Uh, and Clark jumped in there on Monday. Uh, floor is yours, sir. Yeah, I, this is a matchup that I think is very interesting because of how the Eagles have played offensively to date and how the Bucks have played to date. Coming into the year, I think pretty much consensus was Eagles are one of the best teams in the league and the Bucks are one of the worst teams in the league. There are some people who disagree with that consensus, but that was generally the view. And now it's only four and a half point spread. Granted, it's in Tampa Bay, but four and a half point spread between these two teams based solely on what we've seen in the last two weeks. That is Tampa Bay beat Minnesota and is a little bit of a shaky box score. Minnesota you know, may have deserved to win that game if you look at the yards per play and things like that. Um, but then they went in game two um, and Baker Mayfield just kind of like is starting to get his teammates to believe. And, and yes, it was Chicago. So it's, you know, how impressive is a win against Chicago, but it was the way that he kind of 
is gaining confidence and his teammates confidence, the way that the offensive line is playing, like that was the big concern coming in the year was, you know, the offensive line can even protect Tom Brady. Like what's Baker Mayfield going to do? They've been playing well. And it's because of what I talked about in the preseason about how they've changed up their offense. They're, they're built, you know, they built in a better run game a more versatile run game, a lot of play action. Tom Brady didn't want to use the play action. This is where Baker Mayfield thrives. So I think the Bucs have really proven something. Their defense was always good. And the Eagles, on the other hand, have really looked unimpressive. Despite winning two games, they needed four lost fumbles by the Vikings to kind of pull away in that game. Um, And then in week one against New England, who I think we saw wasn't that good against New England. um, Sorry, against Miami. uh, They didn't look good either. They could have lost that game. So now we've got the the spread shrinking and saying, you know, the Bucs might be able to compete here. I, I buy it. I'm a big believer in responding to what we see on the field. And what we've seen on the field is that the gap between these teams is much smaller than anticipated. And on top of that, we've got Jalen Hurts, whose biggest struggles throughout his career has been when defenses are able to speed up his decision-making and force him to make quick throws. That's what the Vikings did. Even though they didn't have a good defense, they, they caused Jalen Hurts to struggle. You know, he had those two big plays, but outside of that was really, really bad, you know, low success rate. So I think the Bucks defense can do the same thing. They dial up a lot of blitzes. They get a lot of quick pressure. I think it's a big test for the Eagles offense. And without Shane Steichen, who's doing a fantastic job in Indianapolis, I don't know that the Eagles have the answer on offense here. Um, so I think the Bucks are going to make this ugly. And I think that might, you know, especially at home, kind of give Baker Mayfield and the massive chip on his shoulder, the kind of boost he needs to kind of make this game competitive. So um, I, I definitely agree with the price movement on, on bringing this down from six and a half to four and a half. Uh, Connor, where are you at on this matchup? Yeah, I think that my issue with the Bucks and ba- and being really excited about them is that when you contextualize it for Chicago and Minnesota, like I'm just not quite as excited. I mean, Chicago is a, a complete and utter disaster at this point. Uh, whereas in Minnesota, you know, I think are basically beatable in almost every asset. Now, at, facet. Now, I think that Baker is certainly impressed. You know, Mike Evans has looked good. He's had a good rapport there. He's hitting them deep, like. A, Plenty of times now. I just want to see them play a good defense and see how it goes. And I think that that that's more of a proving point. Now, I don't think Philadelphia in a lot of areas this issue is that I don't think they played well offensively. To your point, I don't think that their defense has been as good as we've seen in years past. And so, like, we have those that combination there is like, is this where I want to take my stand against Tampa Bay? And I don't think so. And so that's kind of the issue is that like at plus where I think you got plus six, plus six and a half, something like that. Um, I thought it was a great number. Now we're getting to minus four and a half. Like if it got to three somehow, I think I would be interested in the Eagles, but like we're never getting to three. So, um, you know, like that's the issue is that like, I just don't think that, I think the Eagles are probably still a little bit overrated in the market. And I think the Tampa Bay certainly will be overrated in the market. I just don't know when a good buying point is going to be. So I think you said it perfectly. I think that I want to find ways to go against this changed market sentiment on the Buccaneers. I don't know that this is the right spot because the Eagles are beat up. Like, you know, they're missing guys. Like, the middle of the defense has just been ravaged. Uh, they are playing third, four-string guys up and down, linebacker, slot corner, safety. It's just kind of a wreck, um, and is it's not good. Now, their injuries, key injuries, too, on the Buccaneers side, and especially on the defensive side, and that was some of my concern, just the paper-thin depth that they have there. Shocking no one. Carlton Davis has already missed a game. I don't know what his status is for this one. That's a problem. Um, Kalaja Kansi has not really played. I think he's played like 15 snaps so far this season. He was supposed to be like solidifying the defensive line up front, being able to collapse the pocket and do some stuff. He can't get on the field. Yeah. Not yeah, not from the sideline. Uh, it's not really working so much. So I don't know. I, I Philly struggled. You mentioned I think it, Shane Steichen probably does have a lot to do with it. Now, Brian Johnson was there and he was the quarterback coach and now is the offensive coordinator. But first down success rate, 42%. It's 26 in the lead. They are 37% success rate on first down when they are passing the ball. That's 31st in the league. So we know how key that is to being able to be a predictor in terms of winning football games. Like talked about it earlier, staying ahead of the chains. They're not getting it done. This feels like a spot where they have to do that and take advantage of, especially if Carlton Davis is out, you need to get AJ Brown going. There could be some squeaky wheel AJ Brown stuff here. We saw them and we know that they're, you know, buddies, but they were kind of seemed a little heated on the sideline. AJ Brown, I think is not super stoked that he's had some quiet, uh, quiet games to start this year. This could be one of those spots again, Tampa Bay next five, you got Philly, New Orleans, Detroit, 
Atlanta, and Buffalo. So we're going to get a sense of if this Baker Mayfield stuff is to be believed in. We're going to have a little bit of a sense here um, over the next handful of months. By the time we get to the middle of October, we'll know if uh, it was you know Cinderella uh, and she lost her slipper or not, which is kind of what I think is going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. It could be he could be legit. It could also be the next Sam Darnold in the Panthers, where they look good for a couple of games and then they are like the worst team in the league for the rest of the season. So yeah, I do agree. Clark's number is good though. I mean, getting six and a half was de- you know definitely seeing where the market was going to go on that was was uh, an important line. I think the Bucks could be this year's Seahawks from last year in the sense that like nobody really knew what to expect. Pretty pretty low expectations, but like. You've got the the quarterback who's bounced around the league, but like plays with a big chip on his shoulder and and really good weapons, and you know sometimes a, and a good defense actually. Seattle didn't even have good defense last year, but um, and an easy division. <laughs> like, I I'm annoyed because I was so pro Bucks preseason, but never bet anything on it. Um, but you know, like you said, it could come crashing down to earth. It's still Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has let betters down so many times. <laughs> uh, I. I think if if the if the interior defensive line for the Eagles can just like truck the interior offensive line for the Bucks, then it, it won't matter how how big of a chip or shoulder he has. It's it's going to get ugly. Yeah, I, I have some Rashad White uh, unders penciled in uh, for this week. Just, I mean, one, I think he stinks. Two, uh, the offensive line is uh, might be an issue here, at least in the trenches for this this matchup. I mean, this on paper was something I was like dying for coming into the season. Baker loves to hold on to the ball. There's nothing lo- he loves more than holding it for three, three and a half seconds. Um, but he hasn't so far this year. So that's been, you know, give credit to Babe. There's a, there's a, a tie here. Dave Canellis was in Seattle last year, is now the offensive coordinator. So maybe there is some Seattle, Tampa Bay stuff going on here. But again, we'll get a sense here in the next uh, month or so. But uh, again, good number for Clark. It's not something I would want to jump in on Tampa side for now, but it'd be interesting to see again, kind of what happens to Island games too. when they're out there on a Monday when everyone's looking for some action uh, on Monday morning when the, uh, you know, the page flips and be interested to see what happens with any line movement there. There, there will be some, there's some people waiting to buy, to I'm buy sure. the Eagles. They're just yes. like, you know, do I buy it four? Do I wait for three and a half? You know, it, it's, there's going to be a wrestling match, I think on this one. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you'll see the six and a halfs again, though. So, all right. Any other notes? Um, Bengals uh, has been an interesting move. Clark, I'll give you the floor to talk about that one. That is the other Monday night game against the Rams. Now, again, we don't have any uh, current news on Joe Burrow. And I think that's been part of the movement there in terms of what we've seen that line do. It's just interesting. We've we've seen, I got this from uh, ESPN Stats and Info, since he's seventh team since the division realignment in 02 to start 0 and 2 with both of those losses coming in the division. None of those previous six made the playoffs. This is definitely a team that we thought was a playoff team. They're going to have to break a mold in terms of what we've seen historically. Again, a little bit of a different run out now. We have a 17th game added. We have an extra playoff team added. But again, an uphill battle, especially if Burrow uh, is dealing with lingering calf injury that keeps him out for this week or maybe more. Any thoughts on the Bengals or any thoughts on the Bengals and Rams game here on Monday night? I don't think the Bengals are good enough to make the playoffs without Joe Burrow. They're, they're going to need him to get healthy. He might play this week. I mean, I saw some some Bengals money kind of creep in today. You know, not not to get to the three, but pushing the two and a half towards the three, uh, which to me could indicate that there's a little bit of optimism about Burrow playing, even if he's limited. Um, if it gets back, if Burrow's in and it gets back over the two thousand side of the three, where the Bengals are favored by three, four, five, six. Um, I might be interested in the Rams. Um, I, I, I've been disappointed with the Bengals defense. They were unable to get any pressure on Lamar Jackson, uh, despite the Ravens missing two offensive linemen. And that's not a good sign. Uh, if you don't get pressure on Matthew Stafford, he's going to slice and dice you the way he's playing. He's playing at an MVP caliber level right now. Just, just absolutely dealing. So there could be some interest for me there. I doubt that happens. Um, and if Bro doesn't play, you know, the Rams might end up favored in this game. I, I think betters have seen what I've seen in the Rams and they're excited about it. And if it's if it's Stafford versus backup in, in Cincinnati, I think the Rams will be favored even on the road. Not feeling good about my Rams under at this point, Connor, if we're going to get, uh, you know, backup quarterback here in no Burrow. Any uh, thoughts on this matchup or any other things that you like here uh, on the board in week three that we didn't talk about? I mean, with how Joe Burrow's playing, like they might still win even if he does play. Like, I don't, you know, like I don't even know how much that matters given what we've seen so far. He's just been... It's been really, really bad. So, and and then yeah, and then the Rams have, you know, Stafford's taken over the team. Like exactly Sharp's bull case that he laid out in the preseason has happened. Like Stafford has been 
mattering more than anyone. He's found an option in Puka. You know, Puka's taken over league by storm as well. So, you know, like you you needed something like that to happen, along with Stafford playing like, you know, towards the top of his career, like basically what he's playing at right now. And then, you know, you can win, you can beat anyone. I mean, literally, you can literally beat anyone. So um I I don't know. I mean, at this point, if it got back to three, I'd probably buy some more Rams because I don't really care about Burrow's playing at that point. Um I I you did mention the Ravens there specifically too. Um I wanted to talk about, I think we're starting to see Todd Munkin and like the passing game come into its own a little bit more as well, um, specifically uh, with Mark Andrews back. Odell Beckham suffered an injury, but we saw Nelson Aguilar fill in a little bit. And I think that speaks to some of the depth that we talked about before in preseason where Nelson Aguilar can be a reasonable wide receiver three for this offense. And Rashad Bateman still slowly working in like 50% of the snap. So excited to see how that progresses too. And they draw like an amazing matchup here against the Colts secondary, which uh, has gotten burned, you know, in, in two straight weeks. And I think that they're probably going to get absolutely ripped here again by the Ravens. Ravens 26 and a half team total is something that's still out there. I think minus 120. So you're playing a little bit of juice, but that's something that is very interesting to me, especially if Anthony Richardson is involved. I think that helps just kind of the game state in terms of like the pace that the Colts will play at. Um, I think that that will help from a scoring standpoint back and forth a little bit, but uh yeah, that's a, a look for me that I haven't pulled the trigger on, but I like quite a bit. A couple other team totals that are interesting to me on the right side of 17 and a half, taking the unders here. Uh, we're back at the Jets, 17 and a half on the under, because we're back into Zach Wilson territory. It's kind of an auto bet over the last handful of years, and Zach Wilson starts. If the Jets have a team total above 17, just bang the under. Uh, it's come in at a pretty substantial rate. You'll hear small sample data around Bill Belichick versus Zach Wilson, those four games have not gone very well for Zach and the Jets historically. Um, and I do, again, part of what I thought has kind of bared itself out. Patriots um, are going to be a team that loses a bunch of football games, um, but their defense is going to be okay, especially when they play bad teams offensively. And I think the Jets are that. Um, and also still really bullish about what we're seeing from this Cleveland defense that I was extremely high on the season, and that's bared itself out to start as well. Under 17 and a half on the Titans is interesting to me. They're getting a ton of pressure. They are blitzing. They're getting home. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're, they've been a problem. And this Titans offensive line, I think, is going to have their hands full with this uh, this front in uh, you know in Cleveland. So whether it's a game total or you know if you questions with you know Nick Chubb being out, I just I like the Titans team total under 17 and a half as well. Again, those have not been official plays for me, but definitely definitely leans. Uh, Clark, any thoughts on anything else on the board for Week Three? Uh, just one note on on the Anthony Richardson thing. Like the, the concussion protocol is such a black box, and the teams never tell us exactly what's happening. But I did read a concerning line that said he had delayed symptoms, which to me means he's probably not playing this week. Um, I think delayed symptoms means you know on Monday something something happened that signified that you know. I, I typically think if it's a quarterback, especially you're only going to play one week later if you you know everything goes smoothly from game time to game time, and and that hasn't been the case. So. I would expect an argument at this point for the Colts, and and I'm really I'm not really sure what to make of that. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I don't either. I don't even know. I haven't looked at the splits pace wise. The level we're seeing pace wise with Anthony Richardson, but you know, I trust Shane Steichen to do the right thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game state, that would be a little bit impactful. Uh, Connor, you're shaking your head. Any thoughts? Gardner came in and <laughs> played pretty well. I mean, against the Texans, so I don't know how much that really matters. But uh, he came in and executed. I think that he's probably good enough to. I mean, hey, considering my priors on Anthony Richardson, I think that Gardner Minshew is certainly good enough to execute uh, whatever they got laid out as long as he's got enough reps this week. Uh, I You hit on two of the ones that I liked with the Titans there. Cardinals under 14 and a half against the Cowboys. I mean, I, I know it's low, but like you're going to need a special teams touchdown or pick six to get over two scores against the Cowboys. I mean, their defense has been dominant like and that's an understatement to what they've been so far in the season now they get the cardinals who josh dobbs looked i guess pretty good last week at times but i mean i think it was more of an indictment of the giants defense just being trash uh and so that's where my mind went with it more so than you know dobbs and the cardinals like actually looking good but you know i think under 14 and a half there's an interesting look uh raiders under 22 and a half points i think the number's just a little bit wrong 27 total points or two games like uh you know i, I the matchup's not like bad or good in any way i don't think but like i think in this spot here like 22 and a half just on the right side of a key number for me so uh i think the under there is interesting look and then bears chiefs over uh i mean chiefs went score 35 themselves and now we got justin field saying like oh i'm just not going to think about it in my mind it means he's probably going to scramble a bunch and just do whatever he does and uh you know 
they were hanging in plenty of games last year uh, because Justin Fields was just like, you know, being a gamer out there. And so I think if he gets back to that, uh, we'll probably see, you know, 50 plus points here pretty easily. So we're looking at 47 and a half. I know betting it over on the Bears is pretty gross, but I think the Chiefs can carry most of their weight there. We had a good stat from Frank Amarante uh, tweeted us out. Bears even allowed 9.2 passing yards per attempt this season against Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield. And now they get Patrick Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> so anyways, those are my looks for the, for the week uh, we've talked about. Dancing around some stuff that needs to be talked about here because the people's parlay got, <laughs> got home last week. Okay. You guys poo-pooed the people's parlay yeah, and they got home. Okay. So now we got to go back to the well, because I don't know if you've seen, there are some big time money line, what uh, Clark would call survivor leg uh, parlay this week. We, we called it the account maintenance parlay last week. And uh, you know, I, I pushed it out because you guys laughed. So I'm like, you know what? And we never got more interaction on a push on the play than what I had on that. Uh, like that play forty crying emojis on your play. There's a lot of poop emojis. emojis. Hopefully those people. And you got emojis. it. Yeah. yeah. Damn. So we people should have put the poop emojis on my Jets play. Really. <laughs> a lot of poop emojis, but we got to go back to the well with the people's parlay with some of these money lines. And Connor's just gonna have to walk back some of his takes because he just kind of solidified a couple of the legs here. We might have to add a leg because we got some big ones. Um, Dallas. I mean, is Dallas first of all, it's gonna be a home game. Dallas in Arizona, like there's gonna be so many Cowboys fans there. That is getting done. Was that line 12, 12 and a half? Kansas City at home against the Bears. I mean, look, the Bears might be frisky if Justin Fields wants to do Justin Fields stuff again, but like that doesn't mean that they're gonna win in Kansas City. Um, Baltimore is really interesting to me. I, again, Gardner Minshew, either way, like, um, you know, Baltimore is going to take care of business at home against the terrible Colts secondary and San Francisco is not losing tomorrow night on a short week at home against the giants without Saquon Barkley. Like that is not happening. I'm sorry. Sorry that this has to be four legs this week, but we are plus one Oh two with these four money lines. Um, Connor. You want to walk back any of those thoughts or you didn't have any Daniel Jones pro giant stuff. Is that where the leg, uh, that's the leg that kills us this week? No, no. I mean, I think that the Niners might score like 45 points on this giants team here on Thursday. Like I don't, they don't, they don't need CMC to do anything and they could roll out Elijah Mitchell and he might drop, drop a hundred yards and two tutties on him. So uh, just with everything I've seen from the giants and I think coming into the season, we talked about too, like, they're going to be really bad defensively and like they just didn't pan out last year. And now this year it's kind of coming to fruition early. So I don't know. I can't poke holes in it, but you know, it's not my vibe. I get it, but it's not my vibe. <laughs> what, what, what about teasing? If you want to do that instead, like what, what happened to your fishy the numbers are so week? big. Yeah. So like, you yeah, know, but like you... Kansas city and Dallas can get you below the, the, For 10 sure. and the seven. So yeah, we can do that too. I'm playing around with stuff. If you are a uh, <laughs> long time, what is going on? <laughs> long time listener of the show. We used to do a fishy teaser of the week by we, it was me something to end the show with our guest. You know, I would have uh, three to four leg teaser, have the guests have to poke a hole into where it uh, didn't win. Uh, it was more, you know, for banter and conversation's sake to tie up the end of the show. But again, this, I think part of it is it seems to bother Clark so much that I really need to make sure that it's a stable of the show. His disdain and respect for me uh, is dwindling every week that we talk about this. So, uh, but the floor is yours. Tell me where this loses, sir. Uh, Ravens. I, I, I would have sanctioned it if I had Jaguars instead of Ravens. Okay, I did consider that. We could just go five legs, Clark. Is what I hear <laughs> no, you no, saying. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I I well, think the Colts better. are a little bit underrated. I'm really been impressed with Shane Steichen, and whether it's Richardson or Minshew, I think they're good. Like you said that their defense got gashed last week, but a lot of that was in garbage time. Like the Colts were up by 21 points in the second half, and so. They were playing a lot of soft coverage and, and Stroud capitalized against that. So before that, they were pretty good on defense. Granted, Texans offensive line was a mess. Maybe the Ravens offensive line is a mess too. I don't know. The Bengals <laughs> Bengals have me doubting that. But yeah, I, I if if I had to pick a loser, it's it's the Ravens. Okay. That's fair. Plus one or two. I don't know that I'm gonna put the people's parlay in the Discord yet. We'll see. Um, you know, see if people watch the show, get some discussion. I want to talk trash about it this week, though. That was Discord. Yeah. I'm gonna put the poop emoji and the crying, laughing one again, just to make get the people going. It's okay. That's gotta okay. get week week three. It worked last week, so I'm gonna put All right, good stuff. Symbol. What's that? I'm gonna put the cash symbol because it won. There you go. Reverse try to reverse jinx me. Um, again, we're talking about our Discord. That is a part of our betting subscription to four for four. That is where all of our official plays are. Again, the betting subscription, as we touched 
touched on at the top. It gets you everything that we do. Um, highly recommend it. Use promo code week two uh, for 25% off four for four.com slash plans. Again, come hang out with us on Friday, Clark, myself and high slop for props. Uh, but we'll be back on Wednesday to do this all again, to unpack week four. So for Connor and Clark, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks everybody.